I hope that extra hour of sleep was great, unless you have young children, and then no extra sleep for you. I am sorry about that. Um, But I'm gonna start today by inviting the Holy Spirit to be our teacher. Would you pray with me? Holy Spirit, today is the day that you have made. And so we center our minds, we ask for ears to hear what you have for us today, and we welcome you here to be the teacher. We love you, in Jesus' name, amen. So when I was growing up, uh, my parents were pretty strict. Now my parents are the founding pastors here, but they're out of town this weekend, so I'm good to tell this story. And uh, we had a lot of rules, and specifically we had rules about what we were allowed to watch on television and how much television we were allowed to watch. And so when all my friends were watching the Care Bears and the Smurfs and My Little Pony, we had very limited options. So some of you may remember these. Um, The first thing we could watch was something called the Get Along Gang. Could anyone watch the Get Along Gang? Okay, I see like one hand, okay. Yes, just a few. Okay, the next thing that we could watch was something called Superbook. Okay, more people remember that one, okay. And last but not least, we were allowed to watch something called Salty the Singing Songbook. That's right. You know, it was a good day when mom let you watch Salty, the singing songbook. Uh, This was one of my favorite shows, actually, because it was a show that was built all around music. And they told the story of God and how much God loved you and how important you were to God. And it was so much fun to to get 30 minutes to watch one show a day. My children literally don't believe me, uh, the, the limits that we had. Of course, Salty is named from the book of Psalms. And Psalms is a book that is found in the middle of our Bibles, and it is a book of poetry. Now, interestingly, the Bible has 66 different books within it, and there are lots of different genres um, within those books. You know, we have historical accounts, we have law and prophets, we have the gospels, we have letters. But the book of Psalms is a book of poetry. And I thought it might be helpful. Let's actually look at the definition. This is from Google. What is poetry? Okay, by definition, it is literature that evokes a concentrated imaginative awareness of experience or a specific emotional response through language chosen and arranged for its meaning, sound, and rhythm. So what this means is that poetry really is going to tap into those creative uh, and emotional senses that we have been given by God. You know, often poetry is filled with metaphor, it's filled with imagery, it's filled with beauty. Now, some of you right off the bat, you're like, oh, I love poetry. This is a type of literature that you you lean into, you you like poetry, you like that it is, you know, kind of confusing and imaginative and beautiful, and others of you are like, mmm, definitely not my favorite. You, you prefer something more concrete and, and more straightforward. And so the poem going through your head right now are roses are red, violets are blue, I wish she'd preach on something new. <laughs> I get it. Because poetry kind of can be confusing. It can be challenging to read. Because the meaning isn't always clear. But I want to encourage each of us to push past those objections because I believe that there is true beauty to be discovered if we open ourselves up to the book of Psalms. And that's what we're actually going to begin today. Today, I'm starting us into a brand new message series that we've entitled, In Every Season, that is all based on the book of Psalms. You know, we've been gifted with this amazing relationship with our Father. And in this relationship, we get to be known We get to be transformed. We get to be set free. We get to be empowered to be the person that God created us to be. 
And one of the things that we need to do as disciples of Jesus is we need to nurture this relationship. We need to let this relationship grow. We need to be connected to the power source himself, our Father. And we want to do this no matter what season of life we're in, whether it's a sweet season or it's a stressful season. We want to stay connected to our Heavenly Father. One of the best tools for connection is the Bible. But often, the Word of God is an underutilized tool when it comes to staying connected to God. And why is that? Well, the Bible's kind of hard to read. If we're honest, it's boring. We, if we do read it, we get confused by it. And so what ends up happening is we aren't fully utilizing this incredible tool to stay connected to our Father in every single season. And this is where the book of Psalms comes into play. Because you see, the book of Psalms, which is actually 150 poems, um, is a prayer book. There are so many different types of prayers within the book of Psalms. There's prayers of thanksgiving. There's prayers of confession, lament, praise, remembrance, kingship. And, And that's not it. That's not like an exhaustive list. But what this means is that these powerful prayers of poetry can help us stay connected to God no matter what season we're in. And so that's what we want to do. We want to explore how can we use this book to stay connected to God no matter what's happening in our lives. Well, 15 years ago, I was going through a particularly difficult season in my life. Um, I had developed some difficult health symptoms, and then I went on to get diagnosed with something called PCOS, polycystic ovarian syndrome, which messes with your monthly cycles, but that also causes just a whole host of other issues. And this was a time in a season of Mike and I's life where we really wanted to start a family. We really wanted to be pregnant, and everyone around us, you guessed it, accidentally got pregnant, or they got pregnant on the very first try. And after a year of trying and seeing doctors and being on medication, I was in a dark place. I was emotionally fragile. I was physically frustrated. I was spiritually dry. I felt stuck. Have you ever been in a season like that? It's so hard to stay connected to God in those seasons. It's so hard to pour your heart out to God. It's so hard for, to have him feel close. And honestly, I felt like my, my moods, they shifted, whether I felt good that day, whether I heard that someone else was pregnant. I, I was just up and down and all around. And that's when the Holy Spirit took me one day to a passage in Psalms. This is Psalm 119. And this is from the message version of the Bible. And I read these words, and this is what it said. Barricade the road that goes nowhere. Grace me with your clear revelation. I choose the true road to somewhere. I post your road signs at every curve and corner. I grasp and cling to whatever you tell me. God, don't let me down. I'll run the course you lay for me if you'll just show me how. And in this moment, I felt an invitation to intimacy with the Father. What I heard him say to me was, listen, I wanna help you barricade those roads that go nowhere. When you're in a tough season, there's a lot of roads that take you nowhere. I wanna grace you with clear revelation. I actually wanna hold your hand and I wanna walk this journey with you. And when I read these words, something inside me shifted. And I realized I was trying to do this part of the journey without the Father. And so I felt like the Father invited me to every single day pray these uh, words. So that's what I did. I prayed these very simple words back to God And the most amazing thing happened. I began to trust the Father. 
And eventually, of course, many of you know, that I went on to not only have one baby, but I went on to have four babies. I was completely healed of PCOS. But even better than that, even though those things were amazing and I'm so incredibly grateful, do you know what happened in my heart? I realized that I could trust my father in every season, high and low, sweet and sour. And this is actually the invitation, I believe, is out there for each of us. So my question to you right now is, What season of life are you in? What's happening in your life right now? How are you talking to God about what's happening in your life? How are you staying connected to him? Some of us right now, we might feel really connected to God. But I have a a suspicion that many of us feel disconnected from God. And what we're gonna discover is actually that as we open up the book of Psalms, there is an invitation to intimacy There is an invitation to connectedness. As we read these ancient words, they were written thousands of years ago, but they're gonna give us words for everything that we face, for all the emotions that we face, from joy to sorrow, to praise, to pain. The book of Psalms is gonna help give us words. And so what I wanna encourage each of us to do is to actually lean in to this book of poetry and see what Jesus has for us over these next few weeks. Okay. So before we read a psalm together today, which we're gonna do, I thought it would be helpful to do just a little bit more background on the book of Psalms so that we understand what the book is all about. Okay, so the book of Psalms is the prayer book of God's people. And it actually has multiple authors, which is kind of unusual in a book of the Bible. And so we have, of course, um, David. He wrote many of the Psalms. And then his son, Solomon. But we also had groups of people, the Asaphites and the Korites. And actually, you might not have known this, but Moses wrote some of the Psalms. And the Psalms were originally intended for the Hebrew people, but they speak to humanity in general. Now, there's many different themes in the book of Psalms, but I want to highlight two for us today because they're going to be important. The first theme is the theme of praise. You cannot talk about the book of Psalms without talking about the theme of praise. In fact, um, in the book, there, the words uh, praise is listed 189 times. I love how Bible translator Brian Simmons, he wrote the Passion Translation. He says that the book of Psalms turns our sighing into singing and our troubles into triumph. In fact, we're instructed in the book of Psalms that as long as we have life and breath, we are to be praising the Lord. And uh, we're gonna discover that praise is actually the antidote to many of the struggles that we face in our life. And today we're gonna read a psalm of praise. But the second theme I wanna point out, which I think um, is super important, is the theme of Jesus. Now, that might be slightly surprising to you because the book of Psalms is in the Old Testament before Jesus came. But we believe that the Bible tells one story the story of how God loved us so much and sent his son, Jesus. And so as we read the Psalms, we wanna read them two ways. One, we wanna read it the way the original Hebrew audience would have read them. Now remember, the Hebrews were under what was called the Old Covenant. That was where they had the system where they had to do the sacrifices with the priests and that's how they uh, remained in right standing with God. They had to follow the law. So we do wanna understand the Psalms through that context. But secondly, we actually want to reread the Psalms through the lens of Jesus. We call this putting on our sunglasses, S-O-N glasses. We wanna read these scriptures through the lens of what Jesus did for us and as us. Let me explain. So when Jesus came, 
He died and he rose again and he enacted a new covenant with us. We now live under that new covenant. And what that means is that our relationship with him is based on our belief in him and his finished work. And so when we read the Psalms, we wanna read through that filter of Jesus's finished work. Now this is important because there are some Psalms that have some kind of gruesome um, language that are kind of confusing. And when you get to a Psalm that has some confusing language, it is a good thing to stop and say, hmm, I should put on my sunglasses. I should read this through the finished work of Jesus. The amazing thing is that in all 150 Psalms, they all point to the person of Jesus. And so if we wanna understand the book of Psalms, we should look for Jesus in the pages of Psalms. Okay, I thought it would be helpful to actually watch a short Bible project video that explains kind of the sequence and the content of what is happening in the book of Psalms. So turn your attention to the screens. Now, the Israelites composed lots of poetry throughout their history. Yeah, poems were written by Israelites, sages, kings, and prophets. Some poems were sung by choirs in the Jerusalem temple, while others were prayed by families at home. And over the centuries, the most important and widely read poems were compiled together to be read or sung on special occasions. And I'm familiar with books of poetry, a large collection of the greatest poems in one place, and I can read through and pick my favorites. But the Book of Psalms isn't that kind of collection. Here, each poem has been expertly crafted and then placed where it is for a reason, to create a storyline from the book's beginning to its end. The Psalms poetically retell the entire biblical story, and they invite you into a literary temple. A literary temple? Yeah, so the tabernacle and then later the temple in Jerusalem were where ancient Israelites went to meet with God. When you arrived, you would see art and imagery everywhere. You'd see priests performing rituals. You'd hear songs and prayers, all of it symbolically proclaiming that your God rules the world from this mountain and you're in his living room. So the temple was a place to be in God's presence and also to immerse yourself in the story of God's kingdom. Exactly. And so try to imagine how traumatic it was when the Babylonians invaded Jerusalem, plundered and burned the temple, and then took many Israelites into exile. Yeah, where can they go now to meet with God, to sing their story and say their prayers? That's where the book of Psalms comes in. It's a prayer book for exiles designed as a virtual temple. You enter the Psalms to meet with God and to hear the entire biblical story of God's kingdom sung back to you in poetry. Cool, but how does the Psalms do it? Let's start with the book's design. There are 150 poems broken up into five clear sections. At the beginning, there's been placed a short introduction, Psalms 1 and 2, which lay out the main themes of the whole book by reviewing the biblical storyline. Okay. Psalm 1 looks back to the Garden of Eden and its river of life. Yeah, God placed humanity in a garden temple. And here, humans decide to define good and evil on their own terms and so are exiled from the garden. But the first psalm paints a portrait of hope, about an upright human who delights in God's wisdom, which is called Torah, or instruction. This person is like the tree of life in the garden temple. They eternally blossom because they're planted in the river of God's life. Yeah, that's beautiful, but who's it supposed to be? Well, remember that story in Genesis? After humanity's foolish rebellion, God made a promise. Oh right, a future human, the seed of the woman who would come and defeat evil and restore the world. And that's what Psalm 2 is about. God's promise that a king would come from the line of David. He's called the Son of God and the Messiah. God appoints him to bring justice on human evil and to restore God's kingdom and peace over the nations. So Psalms 1 and 2 introduce all these main themes. 
Yes, and then the book develops those themes through the five sections. The first two explore the complicated story of David and his royal family. The third section focuses on the tragedy of Israel's exile and the downfall of David's royal line. But then the fourth and fifth sections rekindle the hope for the Messiah, a new temple, and God's kingdom on the other side of the exile. Then the book ends with a five-part conclusion, praising God for his faithfulness. Cool. Now, nearly half of the Psalms are connected to one guy, King David, who God chose to rule Israel. Yes, David's story is really important in this book. He experienced many times of hardship, but he trusted God with radical faith. And in these poems, David shares his fears, confesses his failures, and offers thanks to his Redeemer. And he's constantly speaking of a deep longing to be in God's presence in the temple. But wait, David lived before the temple was even built. Exactly. This portrait of David, hoping and praying for God's kingdom and a future temple, it resembles the hopes of the later generations of the exiles. And so David's prayers could become theirs as well. David's like a prayer coach, giving us words for how to pray and how to discover God's presence in good times and bad. Exactly. There are 73 poems connected to David, but most of the rest come from later generations of biblical poets, and they have learned to pray and hope like David. And so the end result is the Book of Psalms, designed as a virtual temple for all generations of God's people. This isn't a kind of book you just read once and put down. No, it's designed for a lifetime of slow rereading and reflection. These prayers and laments and songs of praise are meant to become our own. They're poems for exiles who are learning to live by God's wisdom and to seek God's justice in the world as they hope for the coming Messiah and the kingdom of God. Just loved how that video helped us understand what the purpose of the book of Psalms is, that it is a literary and virtual temple, a place where we can go to connect with the presence of God. That David is like a prayer coach, helping us to have words to speak out to God no matter what season that we're in. And then I love that invitation that this is a book we are to read over and over and over again. So whether you've read Psalms before or you've never read the book of Psalms, there is a fresh invitation to each of us. Okay, I'm going to take the rest of our time together today, and we're going to be in Psalm 113. And so you can go there if you want, but it will also be up on the screens. And let me just give you a little bit of background on 113. So 113 is actually in a collection. There's actually three collections of what's known as Hallel. Now, this is in the Egyptian Hallel. Now, you probably don't know the word Hallel, but it means praise in Hebrew. And you probably have heard the word hallelujah, which of course is tied to praise. And specifically, 113 to 118 is known as this Egyptian Hallel. And it was remembering and celebrating how the Israelites were delivered um, during Passover. Now, if you'll remember, just a quick Bible history story. Um, the Israelites were enslaved by Egypt. And of course, Moses, partnering with God, um, was trying to set them free. And there were the plagues. And the 10th plague was the angel of death. And they put the blood of the lamb over the door. And the angel of death passed over them. And so this is a very important holiday in Jewish culture. It's, it's, a, it's a ceremony, it's a celebration every single year to remember God's faithfulness to free his people. And so why I tell you this is because Psalms 113 and 114 would have been sung before the Passover meal and 115 to 118 after the Passover meal. And what that means is that Jesus himself would have sung these words. 
The night before he was betrayed, he was with his disciples. And they would have said these words. They would have sang them out in remembrance of who God was. And I think that's just a beautiful picture as we read the book of Psalms. Did you know that Jesus quoted the book of Psalms more than any other book in the Old Testament? The Psalms were very important to our Lord. And I think that they should be very important to us too. So I'm gonna, what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna read the whole Psalm and then I'm gonna go back and I'm going to reread, I'm gonna reflect and then I'm gonna respond and I'm gonna invite us into some things. Okay, so let me just read the whole psalm to us. Praise the Lord. Yes, give praise, O servants of the Lord. Praise the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord, now and forever. Everywhere, from east to west, praise the name of the Lord. For the Lord is high above the nations. His glory is higher than the heavens. Who can be compared with the Lord, our God, who is enthroned on high? He stoops to look down on heaven and earth. He lifts the poor from the dust and the needy from the garbage dump. He sets them among princes, even the princes of his own people. He gives the childless woman a family, making her a happy mother. Praise the Lord. So it's a good psalm. You know, you kind of like, okay, yeah, good. Okay, praise the Lord, got it. But there's actually so much more to this psalm. And so I actually wanna take us back through and I'm gonna break it down a couple verses at a time. And let's just see, what the Holy Spirit wants to tell us as we reflect a little bit on these words. So this is just verse one. Praise the Lord. Yes, praise, O servants of the Lord. Praise the name of the Lord. So right there in the first verse, we're told three times to praise the Lord. You know, if we are writing something and we wanna add emphasis, we can bold it, we can highlight it, we can throw some emojis in there. But you know, back in the day, the writers of Psalms, they could not add some flame emojis to the writing to help people understand that they were serious. What could they do? They could repeat themselves. And so we're gonna see this whole Hebrew um, style of repetition a couple of times um, as we read through the Psalms. They could repeat themselves, they were serious. If they said it three times, they meant it. Now they mentioned, you know, as servants of the Lord, we should praise the Lord because as servants of the Lord, we have a special place. We get to partner with God. We have even more reason to worship God. And then when they say, praise the name of the Lord, interestingly there, what they're actually pointing towards is the character, the nature of God. And so they have all these little hidden messages and meanings in that very first verse. Let's keep reading. This is verse two and three. Actually, hold on, I'm gonna pause. So I want to say something else about this. So we're encouraged to praise, right? We're encouraged to praise in, in this first sec- session, section. And, you know, I don't think it surprises any of us that we would say humanity is actually made um, to give our attention and our affection to something. I think we understand that as humans, we've actually been programmed to praise something. And yet often having a posture of praise is actually challenging. Now some of that is because like you have a reserved personality and you're like, well, I'm just, I'm like not that expressive. It's just not who I am. And we use that as an excuse. Other times, you know, uh, it's really easy to praise at other, you know, events in our lives. Like it's easy to cheer at a volleyball game or a basketball game or at a, at a concert. Like that's just easy to like get lost in praise. But to do it in like a corporate setting like this, it just feels awkward. It's just like, mm. I'd prefer not to. Or if we're in a painful season or a challenging season, it can just feel foolish to praise. It can feel like, well, it's not what I thought it was gonna be. And it's, it's just a true, it's, it's a wrestling. 
But the invitation here in, in, in the first verse is simple. We are to praise the Lord. We are to praise him for who he is, the very, per, the very nature, the very character of, him, of himself. We are to praise him. And so actually, we're gonna get to do that in a little bit corporately, and it is an incredible set. And I know the Holy Spirit's going to visit us powerfully, but you can praise him every single day on your own, with your own life. When you open your mouth and you give him thanks, you have an attitude of gratitude, you spend time thanking him for all the things he's done, we are called to praise the Lord. Good thing I didn't skip that section. That happens like when you're like not looking at your notes. It's totally fine. Okay, verses two and three. Blessed be the name of the Lord now and forever. Everywhere from east to west, praise the name of the Lord. For the Lord is high above the nations. His glory is higher than the heavens. Okay, so what, is the, what are these verses telling us? I love this. It's giving us instructions. He's saying that the Lord is to be praised now and forever today and for eternity. And then he goes on to give further instructions. He says from east to west. Now in our mind, we think of, oh, that's like directional. No, this is actually talking sunrise to sunset. And so there is a magnitude to this praise. We are to bless his name now and forever. And then there's a daily invitation from sunrise to sunset. And let's just be honest with ourselves here for a moment. This is a challenge right? Because when we're in seasons that are challenging and hard and, and filled with pain and pressure, it is hard to praise the Lord in every single season. You know, many of us, we start the day off praising the Lord and we end it cursing creation. I know. I, I do the same thing. But today, the invitation is actually that we would praise him all of the days, today and forever. Verse four, for the Lord is high above the nations. His glory is higher than the heavens. This is really good news, but I'm gonna, I'm gonna read five and six so that we can fully understand why this is such good news. Verse five, who can be compared with the Lord our God? Who is enthroned on high? He stoops to look down on heaven and on earth. Now, this is really great news to those of us who feel pressure, who feel responsibility, who feel like the weight of the world is on your shoulders. There is someone who is enthroned on high, who no one can compare to, who is sovereignly ruling over our nation and all the nations of the world. And so when you feel a burden, when you feel like, Lord, I cannot do it, don't worry, you're not doing it anyway. There is someone who is stronger and smarter and wiser and kinder, and he is actually the ruler of the world. In fact, this verse tells us that he stoops down to check us out. Praise the Lord that he stoops down to check us out because each of us are facing situations right now where we are tempted to grasp and cling at control. We are tempted to try to figure it out on our own. And actually the invitation in this Psalms is to surrender to the one who actually sits on the throne. You know, this week we head to the polls again. It's election week. And I know some of us are actually feeling anxious. Some of us are feeling apathetic. Some of us are feeling somewhere in the middle. But did you know that we can use this psalm to actually pray for our nation? We can actually put Jesus in his rightful place and center our hearts away from worry. I'm just gonna pray right now. And so Holy Spirit, we welcome you here. We, we thank you, God, that you are high and lifted up, that you are enthroned, that you sovereignly rule over every nation, our nation included. 
But right now, Holy Spirit, we pray for the elections this week. We ask that your kingdom come, that your will be done in our time, in our day, in our cities, in our state, in our country. God, we pray that the right people would be, would be um, put into office. We pray for the right policies, kingdom policies to move forward. And right now, Holy Spirit, we give you back control. Father, we thank you that you are good, that you can be trusted, that you can be praised because you are who you say you are. In Jesus' name, amen. And that's how you can use a psalm to actually pray back to God. But what situation are you facing right now where you need to be reminded that he is sovereignly over it all? What is the thing that's happening in your life that you need to be reminded that he is the king? I'm gonna finish reading six or seven through nine. He lifts the poor from the dust and the needy from the garbage dump. He sets them among princes, even the princes of his own people. He gives the childless woman a family, making her a happy mother. Praise the Lord. I think we can read texts like that and we can kind of think like, okay, kind of random, but okay, praise the Lord. But do you want to know what's so incredible here? This psalmist is actually preaching the gospel. And Jesus has not come. Jesus isn't going to be there for thousands of years. You see, the Psalms are prophetic. They're speaking of a future reality, and this is the future reality that we were once paupers, but now we've been made princes. We've been invited into a royal family. You see, when you say yes to Jesus, you become a royal son or daughter in his family. You get a brand new name. You are actually seated in a new place, and this is a future reality that this psalmist did not realize was going to happen. In fact, we can actually read the future reality, and this is Ephesians 2, which was, of course, written thousands of years after this psalm. This is Ephesians 2, 4 through 6. But God is so rich in mercy, and he loved us so much that even though we were dead because of our sins, he gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead. It is only by God's grace that you have been saved, for he raised us from the dead along with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ Jesus. This is the reality, that we have actually been turned from paupers into princes. We have been placed in a new position. Incredible. But you know what? The Hebrews, when they would have read this, they would not have thought of it prophetically. It was actually pointing backwards. It was reflective because these words were actually recorded somewhere else in Scripture. They were recorded in 1 Samuel. And in 1 Samuel, we actually learn of a woman named Hannah. This is amazing. The Bible tells one story. This whole book is interconnected. It speaks to the past and the present and the future all at once. And we meet this woman named Hannah, and she's barren. She cannot have children. And we cannot understand the stigma that was attached with this. It was severely shameful to not be able to have a baby, and it was her fault. We, we cannot understand it. And one day, she's in the temple of God, and she's crying out to God. I mean, she's wailing, and she's like weeping, and she's pouring her heart out to God in this terrible season that she's in. And while she's there, Eli, who's the priest at the time, sees her. He thinks she's drunk because she's so like crazy and expressive. And he goes up to her and he like kind of assesses the situation and finds out that she's praying, that she's asking God for something. And he's like, whoa, like, okay, I'm just going to pray whatever you're asking God for that he would answer it. And so she goes home and the Lord does answer her prayer. And she, she becomes pregnant with a son and that son is Samuel, one of the greatest men in the Old Testament. But she goes back to the temple and she wants to pray to the Lord. And this is what we read in 1 Samuel chapter two, verse eight. I want you to read or listen. 
It's the same words. He lifts the poor from the dust and the needy from the garbage dump. He sets them among princes, placing them in seats of honor. For all the earth is the Lord's and he has set the world in order. Isn't this amazing? So this, this, this psalm, that, like this psalm, it is both reflective and it's prophetic. And this actually happens all the time in Psalms over and over and over again. It speaks to the past and the present and the future. Time is in your father's hands. And, and what, this, what the psalmist is doing is he's throwing it back. He's saying, this is who our God is. He takes impossible situations and he makes them possible. He takes a barren woman and makes her a joyful mother. And so right now, I want you to think about the difficult and challenging and impossible situations in your life where you have no hope. And instead of reading Psalm 113 and thinking, oh, that's kind of random that they mentioned that. No, I want you to know that your God is a God of the impossible. And he wants to make possible the things in your life that you are only hoping for at this point. This is the power of Psalms. And so then what does Psalms do? Psalms takes us back to the beginning and and Psalms says, okay, now you're gonna praise the Lord. It's a circle. We're gonna start praising the Lord and we're gonna finish praising the Lord. And we're gonna praise the Lord because we're servants of his. We're gonna praise the Lord because of his character and his nature. We're gonna bless his name today and forever. We're gonna praise his name from morning until night. We're gonna praise him because he is enthroned on high and he is sovereignly over all. We're gonna praise him because he stoops down to look at us, but he doesn't just look, he lifts and he pulls us up and he changes our position and he gives us a brand new identity and he takes the broken, hurting places in our lives and he makes them new. And that is why we praise the Lord. Let me tell you, if you commit to reading the Psalms, there is so much fruit to be harvested. As we we read these Psalms, as we reflect on what what is being spoken to us, we can respond and, and we can see things change. Do you want things to change? Do you need things to change? Jesus is our hope. He is the answer and he wants to stay connected to you no matter what season of life you're in. And so we've made some resources for you and we actually ran out of some and so we're gonna print more. But we have made a little bookmark and we're gonna have more next week. You can scan the QR code. They're gonna put a QR code up there and you can get the resources now. But two things. We found a 60-day Psalms reading plan. This would read all 150 Psalms in 60 days. Um, I love the one-year Bible, and so my plan is to use my one-year Bible and focus in on the Psalms. There's also great, you know, devotionals on YouVersion and other places. Maybe a Psalm a day. We don't want to be too prescriptive. Uh, We want you to journey this with Jesus. But on the back side, we have just some simple prompts that you can stick into your Bible that can help you as you're reading. You know, that whole read and reflect and respond. And then the link tree also takes you. We have a podcast we're recommending. We've linked that video we watched today. We've also linked some books if you are a bookworm and you want to read more about how to partner with the book of Psalms. I think Jesus has a lot that he wants to share with us, no matter what season we're in. I'm gonna finish with this story. So when I was growing up, um, going to Eureka, Illinois, was one of the highlights, because my grandma and grandpa Layman lived there. And my grandpa Layman loved Jesus, and he loved Psalm 23. And he made a deal with his grandkids. If you could recite from memory Psalm 23, he'd give you a dollar every single time. Now you better believe that my brothers and I would spend that drive over practicing Psalm 23. 
We made a lot of money off of grandpa. And we thought we were so smart. But do you know who was smart? My grandpa. Because it was a seed that he planted in my heart to have a deep love of scripture, to actually commit scripture to memory. Now, I'm not gonna give you a dollar for any psalm that you memorize. (laughs) But I do believe there is an invitation to intimacy, that he actually wants his word to get deep into your heart that he actually wants to speak to you whatever season you're in, whatever you're facing, in every season, he is who he says he is, you can trust him. And so what we're gonna do now is we are gonna have a praise party and I hope you are ready for what is gonna happen. I'm gonna invite you to stand if you're able and I'm gonna pray us in. But I wanna encourage you, there is so much freedom in this room. If you are someone who has struggled with with praise, um, I just wanna encourage you to push yourself and see what happens. And so Holy Spirit, you're already here, but we welcome you here even more fully to inhabit the praises of this house, the praises of your people. And right now we turn our attention and our affection towards you. And we thank you, God, for what you wanna do in this moment. We give you this time in Jesus' name, amen.